Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So, Mike, welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board, sir. <laughs> Cheers, Mum. Really nice to meet you. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And who do you work for? My name's Michael Jones. I'm the uh, CTO of Love Holidays. It's a, that's an online travel agent in the UK. We've just recently expanded out into, into Germany. So we help people essentially find their perfect holiday. Yeah, love it. I love, love holidays. I love, I love the name as well. It's a cool name. So you kind of covered it already, but what's the problem that you're solving? What differentiates you from other people, other companies in this market? What's the problem that it's actually solving? The packaged holiday space is quite competitive, but I think we've got the three key things that we believe make us different from everybody else. So at the top of that is is the value that we offer. So because we've been growing so quickly in the UK, we've got such a wide range of of offers and deals that we can offer to customers. So we've got great payment options. We provide really competitive prices because of the, the kind of connections we have with our suppliers. The second thing we offer is, is choice. So we've got, uh, we process over a trillion package holidays options a day. Uh, that's a combination of 35,000 hotels across 75 countries. We've got 99% of all of the flights that are available on our, on our platform as well. So. That's that kind of choice is about two and a half times more than anybody else can offer in the market, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And we also then try to make it as easy as possible for customers. So the third thing we have is ease. So we have this idea of a any any search. So you can you don't need to know where you want to go or when you want to go. You can just describe the type of holiday and people can find their perfect holiday from that. So it's oh, uh, I love that. So yeah, value choice ease, I think is is why would people would would choose us. I love the idea of kind of giving an idea of what you want to do and then getting suggestions around that because I, I'm terrible at choosing my holidays. So the, my curiosity around what you do in the space, Mike, you know, what does a tech leader do in a company like this? In something like the holidays, I suppose you'd have to kind of take a step back and, and look at the, the type of organization that we're in, I suppose. It's a two-sided marketplace and it's a kind of a, a common business model. And I suppose I'm, I I came into this this company because I've been helping scaling similar type of businesses. So where we were when I joined was a, a very successful startup. So it was uh, the Times uh, Profit Track number one company when I when I joined about four years ago. So they're absolutely smashing it, but they needed to take it from a, a startup through to a scale up. Uh, so kind of professionalization, so that sort of thing. So um, my role was really to kind of come in to evaluate it as a startup and to kind of professionalize it so we could scale up and uh, set it up for what we're doing now, which is to scale it out into into more markets. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, fantastic. And you kind of touched on a few. I've got a few questions around what you just said there. First of all, I missed asking you about your journey. What's, what has your journey been like to tech leadership? Yeah, it's been a long, halfway you want to go back, really, uh, from, from the journey. I was always interested in in computers as a, as a kid. I did, ended up doing a computer science uh, master's. Then basically started working at consultancies, so a lot of IT consultancies, but ended up at a one which was called ThoughtWorks, which is a, an amazing company 
great agile company such a, a great bunch of people to work for like it was at the bleeding edge of a lot of stuff at that time and the thing there i think which is really helpful is you get a breadth of experience across a number of domains so i worked from investment banks, startups, insurance companies, like just working through lots of various different things, applying that kind of agile model. Because the thing that really <clears throat> was a little bit frustrating though, is that getting into these projects, these ideas, understanding the business, I wanted to be able to like take it further. I could see the next like five, 10, 20 things you could do and like, oh, this would be amazing. But then you're just onto the next project and you're enable, enabling people to agile again. So. Uh, that's where I kind of flipped to working at a company that was called Traffic Broken, which was like a small startup. And for the first, I think, nine months, we made like 12 failed startup businesses, <laughs> which, wow. was, uh, <laughs> which was which was really, really interesting. So the, the guy that, that owned it, a guy called Neil Hutchinson, uh, they, they were making money in areas and they were looking to invest them in business ideas. I think 12 failed ones was probably a bit because a couple of those span out into different businesses. But we were just very entrepreneurial, trying, you know, lots of different ideas to see what would stick with technology. And it was around the time of the kind of affiliate marketing space. We ended up with that, finding a, a something that, that did work, which was traffic arbitrage between Google and Ask. So it was a very short-lived kind of opportunity, but it was very profitable. But mm -hmm. the really wasn't worth anything. So we did this thing with big data we were using Hadoop. Uh, we were installing it under people's desks, like before, like before it was even a thing. We scaled it out to the entire world. We were spending, we spent over a couple of billion pounds on a credit card on Google, uh, like serving these ads. It was crazy, <laughs> crazy wow. time. Big data before it was a thing. But the the company itself wasn't worth anything because it was just a contract with us. So we were always looking for, um, well, Neil was always looking for something to invest in. What happened was U-Switch came along. So there was a price comparison website. So a few years old, earlier, it had been sold for 200 and something million. It was almost the same price as Liverpool Football Club when it was got sold back in the day. Wow. And that had basically, they'd run it into the ground. <laughs> we picked it up for like less than 5 million. Uh, so what Neil did. So he used that money to invest in U-Switch. His philosophy in running this, this kind of company was giving kind of young, smart people the opportunity. Uh, like it didn't really matter what your background was, like what your experience was. If you were good enough, you were good enough. Mm -hmm. So when he bought... You switch he put uh, myself and my friend Paul into it to just help restructure it from a, a technical perspective. It gave us like help and things around the sides, but just pushed us in. Eventually I, I became kind of CTO there. So using that kind of drawing that experience of uh, say a consultancy, kind of big data, kind of entrepreneurial stuff, tying all that together, all the things I'd learned from the people I'd worked with along the way, like Neil who owned uh, Traffic Boker, a guy called Carl who helped on the kind of arbitrage stuff and he's super smart but like trying to tie that together take the kind of cultural stuff the the big data the technology and, and apply that to a company and that's essentially what we, what i did for the next 10 years with a group of my friends so wow. myself and paul kind of like almost day one looked at the code decided it, we didn't want to do that and rewrote it from scratch and so we we were private equity backed for a while which was a, a really good a good time so we moved into our own offices built our own company that was great and then uh that was successful again and we then got acquired by zoopla which is the obviously the online property yeah. portal so it became part of zpg so then it was the comparison division of zpg and then again that was quite successful and then we got delisted for 2.2 billion by a combination of Red Ventures and Silver Lake. So from that, like that was a really kind of interesting story, I suppose, from a, an engineer, a, a consultancy through to being part of like a number of sales. Learned a lot along the way. So I think one of the big things I learned was just about 
the importance of structure people and how, how you can do technology properly within those those companies. Yeah. And I've kind of got a mentor who kind of helps me out. And he always along the way, he was he said to me, it doesn't count if you do it once. It turns like it turns out like scaling companies is like skateboard tricks. It's like two. Right. two <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, he's always nudging me to find another one. So when I when I was like pushed out of U Switch a little bit towards the end, uh, I was looking for a new job and that's where Love Holidays came in. So it was, as I said, the fastest growing company in the UK. And I kind of joined that to help basically apply the same sort of principles and scale it as, as we did to use, which, and that's what I've been doing yeah. the last four years. And we're honestly nailing it. So we're doing it a lot quicker, a lot better. Yeah, a lot faster than we've done previously. So that's brilliant. It sounds like a proper, proper adventure. You know, yeah, it's a, it's a ride, you know, what you've been on. And um, and you're still, still on that. Oh, it's, uh, definitely still on it. So the it, it has been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot of things along the way. I've had so much help from other people. So I think uh, I think if you talk to anybody who's worked with me, like probably a very different person than I was like five, 10 years ago. So yeah, personally I've learned a lot, but also just like working with my friends. It's, it's not just been, it's always been a group effort. Like it's been a, at U-Switch, it was myself, Paul, and a, and a couple of other people that did it here. Um, my friend David, who worked at U-Switch, who was fundamental in that, came over and has, has helped as well reconnected with some of my other friends like George and Eugene and we've been helping scale this business like together I think that's what's been really enjoyable about it it's always been a, a group of us like doing it together and listen Mike I, I'm really interested in how you bring about that scaling because I mean it's, it's an art you know taking something and then the process of scaling actually then changes the the whole situation as well it's a, it's like a moving target what would you consider for our tech leader audience uh, listening as kind of foundations for growth? What are the things that you would regularly put in place that makes it easier? I mean, it's a good question. It's really interesting. I suppose there's a, there are common patterns to it. There's uh, phases that go through. So obviously there's a, there's a startup, you go to a scale out, as I mentioned, and there's, there's three key elements that you, you're kind of optimizing for in each of those uh, three phases. So you've got people, platform and processes like that you need to think about. So as a, as a startup, you're thinking about from a, a platform perspective, it's about exploration and finding things that work. You try, you have a, an adaptable system. It doesn't need to have lots of customers through it. You're trying to find a business model that works. It has to be flexible. The same for people, right? So you've got like, again, it's not going to be a really difficult problem to solve in terms of like scaling. It's always been, you have a generalist team. So a small generalist team that can work across all of those things and adapt and be reactive. And that's where you need your processes as well. So instead of being, like, you know, five, 10 years ahead, it's always been um, like just keeping the business going next. What's the next thing you could do? Mm -hmm. I kind of come in generally after that and then helped take it to a professionalize it into that scale up phase. So the the things there, it's it's about the transition between for like people, platform and process that from experimentation to something that actually works at scale. So it's when you've got a business model that works yeah. and you're looking to expand it out. So that's from a... You know, from a platform perspective, I suppose that's it's quite obvious. You ne it needs to be able to actually work with loads of customers coming through it. And that's what we've been doing here, right? So we, we have like 20 million, 25 million people visiting the website a month. So it's just pretty crazy, like volume of people like looking for holidays. So, you, you know, you, at a startup, that's not really been the problem. But, you know, as a, as a scale up, mm. <laughs> it's really important that you, the, the website is stable, it doesn't fall, fall over and, and it's fast. Then you've got the kind of the people that are doing that. So to be able to kind of deal with that demand, you go from a kind of a generalist sort of mindset through to being more specialist skills that are needed. So it's finding ways of 
you know, attracting those people and like being able to them for those to have an influence and an impact in that platform. And, yeah. and a lot of that's kind of related to the processes where you're moving from just like to what you're doing tomorrow, what you're doing next week to have a more kind of medium term view and, and, and kind of thinking about how that kind of uh, how your company is evolving. And then where we are now, which has been really helpful for the, the current CEO, who's just like one of the best people I've worked with. So, so it's amazing to work with him. I've learned a lot. So he's putting in kind of the, the future direction. So we've scaled out the platform, we've professionalized it, and he's put us on a path of replicating this business model in more points of sale. So what we're, we're doing is like adapting that platform, not just to work at scale, but to, to be able to be to work for different customer types in different points of sale. So we've recently launched Longhole Beach and in Germany, and that's it's doing really well. So beyond kind of ahead of our expectations, which is which is really cool. The kind of problems change in in each of those, and it's making sure that you're you're aware of those moments where there is a transition. You're being clear about that with people, and you're adapting each of those three areas of people, platform, and process to the problem that's in front of you. It's brilliant. Now, coming back to you now as a leader, Mike, and we've put the spotlight on you and your leadership. What's your style of leadership? How do you roll as a leader? Another very interesting question. Uh, <laughs> I suppose I've been influenced by a lot of people in a couple of situations, I suppose. So as a, as a consultant, there's a kind of possibly one of the worst projects I've worked on was where I was, I felt like I was just a, a cog in a wheel where they, they basically organized the company. So it was just passing XML from one team to another. And all I was doing was like taking a piece of XML and transforming it and handing over to somebody else. I had literally no context about what I was doing or why. Wow. And that feeling like I didn't leave me. I just hated the project. I felt I had so much more to give. And then when you contrast that, when I worked with like uh, Neil Hutchinson and the guy called Carl Gaywood, the traffic broker, which was just the total opposite where it was all about autonomy. It was giving you the ability to solve problems. And that was, and that kind of like leadership style, like that kind of learned from those guys was like really kind of influenced me. So. I think also with my own kind of I think I've listened to too much Rage Against the Machine growing growing up. So not liking <laughs> to be told what to <laughs> what to do. I suppose I'm very kind of egalitarian, kind of I like to kind of provide people with a lot of autonomy, make sure that they've got the the space to solve problems, just provide a kind of a direction and bringing people together. I really enjoy working with people so that they don't work for me, we work together and we're making sure that we've got a, a same same direction and the same approach but i really enjoy kind of working with people with like very different ways of thinking about those sort of problems and kind of working together to find like the the best solution to things that's excellent here you go it's a painful question for you mike i've got a painful question for you what keeps you up at night what's your pain that's in your space as a tech leader um the things that keep me up at night oh dear i mean it's a it's a really quite difficult question to answer if you'd have asked me uh, obviously a couple of years ago, <laughs> the answers would have been uh, quite different. But I, I think what we've been doing is, I think as I described, we've really invested quite heavily in in our environment, in our culture, and that's that's attracted a, a certain type of people. I suppose the, the thing that keeps me awake is being able to continue to articulate the direction that we're going and making sure that everybody's like pulling in the same direction and that we're we're able to keep that the same principles about how we've approached the the scaling of the company as we're scaling out and not losing the the kind of important as you said like human centric part of it the the technology centric part of it as we're scaling into this bigger bigger and bigger business 
And that mm -hmm. for me is like making sure that we can connect the the business goals that we're doing with the the, the technology and the team approach that we're we're trying to have. So it's and that's honestly something that I've just always just spinning around in my head, spinning around in my head. Like how can I describe this? How can I solve this problem? So yeah. So hopefully a follow-on question shortly will give you and you'll be able to wish how you might be able to solve that. So as we come towards the closing arc of our time together, unfortunately, Mike, I've got some nice warm questions for you. As a tech leader, the journey you've been on, there's lots of tech leaders probably listening to this, aspiring tech leaders. What's helped your journey the most? What's the what are the key things? Well, I mean, there's a lot. I think I've I think I've alluded to quite a few in, in this, but I, I would say that one of the most important and a couple of the most important fundamental things was getting a mentor and uh, that was so i was pushed to me from uh, neil hutchinson so when i when in, when i got offered the job as cto he made sure that i had kind of mentors from the beginning uh, and i kind of went through quite a few of them to begin with and and they they're really useful right so it's having lots of different people to talk to gave me very different views of the world and that was really helpful but when we got the, the mbo to ldc one of the guys there called Canal basically said, oh, you're quite similar to this guy. Go and have a chat to him. And so he introduced me to this, to Phil Mayo, who's very well known, very well connected in the tech, kind yeah. of technology perspective. It has just really helped me from to grow from where I was to kind of where I am now. It was, he's helped in like in a number of immeasurable ways from personally like solving pro like technology problems through to like how to deal with people through to communications of strategy and those sorts of things and and mm. i always felt oh this is like a i, I always had this feeling like oh, this is just a, such a unique problem to me i'm such a, a unique snowflake nobody else would understand and when i like, <laughs> went to talk to him he's like, all right yeah i get that oh yeah that like, chestnut yeah, yeah. yeah here's like five other ones and like here's like 10 other ways of solving it i'm like all right this is amazing and it was and it, it was it was like that kind of mentor relationship for me was really helpful for it was a little bit coachy but it was like here's like here's some ways of thinking about it have you thought about this and this was that was like kind of really helpful so i think yeah one of the things would be like get the mentor would be really good i think the other thing maybe related to it is i think you just have to also put in the hard grafts to get good at something so like you it takes a while to get to get good and don't expect like overnight success <laughs> 20 years to be an overnight success in these, these sorts of things. So there's a lot to learn, but at the same time, don't don't underestimate your own capability. So it's like finding that kind of, maybe it's like some sort of like humility in there. And it, maybe that's the, <laughs> we were talking maybe before we came on air, which was the uh, the kind of Buddhist principles, like making sure you're, you're humble enough, but also understand that you, you're you able to to actually achieve quite big things as well. Finding that balance is, is, is really key. Mm. Absolutely, that's great. Loads of things I wanted to give. I want to give a shout out. I particularly like the fact you brought mentoring to the space. I think it's a really powerful tool, a really good trick. My curiosity, in service of our audience, also is around what what does that mentoring look like? Is it just a kind of friendly chat every now and then? Is it kind of regular meeting? Is it heartbeat that you kind of check in with this mentor? Uh, it's it's changed over time. It's it's been very much at the at the beginning. It was <laughs> if I could have met him every day, I would have done. But I, <laughs> yes, but, uh, I think it's a bit more more important things to do than chat to me. Once a month, kind of would just collate a load of questions, a load of challenges, and he would meet me for like half a day and we'd go through them. And this, he, he didn't ask anything for this. He just did it because uh, I assume he's just a really nice person. Yeah, uh, he was like really like, and he spent that time to like talk talk me through things, help me draw some pictures, those sort of things. Gave me tasks to go away and think about to draw back back up. Uh, and it, and it was that that was really helpful. And I think. Like over time, 
the the kind of that kind of relationships and the type of things I was bringing in changed. So from like scaling problems to then like strategy problems to working with the exec team. You know, I even had him. It really, it's helpful a few times he came in to work with myself and the commercial director at the time, just kind of work through some structural problems we we're having. You know, it was just like showing me like patterns of you talk about models of of, of how to uh, get to agreement, like theoretically. Then, but then came in and just. Like did it with us, which was mm. which was pretty awesome. Um, so that, that that kind of changed, and I suppose like over time, kind of met and met less and less regularly, and it's more of a a catch up to find out all of the amazing things that he's doing everywhere else now. I'm just like I just go and learn all of the the wacky amazing things that he's doing, and how many more businesses sold. <laughs> so yeah, I've had mentors myself. I've had coaches. And, and the great thing about it is that you have these enlightened conversations that just open up new ways of thinking and, and aha moments. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you remember the BT adverts for those in the UK. We used to have a British telecom advert. I can't remember, Hopkins. Uh, it's good to talk, you know, <laughs> just talk. And, and it's amazing what comes up. Ask the stuff that you're not sure about or even just to bounce ideas. I love that because it's very kind of collaborative and we co-leadingly come up with ways forward so brilliant i suppose uh, the other thing it was really helpful with uh, i suppose my my background was i was a working class lad <laughs> first in my family to go to university those sorts of things to kind of be in this position so my i suppose my my understanding i suppose of the business world it was not not the best right i've, I've been talking mm-hmm. uh, talked to other people recently about you know they understand how private equity work worked at 13. i think i didn't even figure out what private equity work was until i got acquired by it <laughs> so wow so but one of the things he was really helpful to was just like every time there was a, a new thing he, he's already been through it and he could explain how this part of the uh i suppose the world worked and he was very helpful at, at connecting those things together from you know here's how you have to think about private equity here's like yeah, oh, you're in a plc okay here's Here's the process of like an IPO. This is what you go through. This is how it happens. Having he's been done it all before, and it's like it's really hard to get that kind of distilled experience from anywhere else. You know, there's this kind of like blogs and books, and I do read and, and and listen to a lot of things, but like to have the ear of somebody who's done it before and them to be able to like tell you exactly what that feels like. Yes. Like one of the key things on that was, I remember like when we sold to Zuplo, one of the things he. So he he founded one well, was one of the founders of uh, Demon, like kind of the ISP in the UK, the first ISP in the UK. So it was, I think it was on the, the end of the first internet connection. And what he said when he sold uh, like Demon was they had all of these like really cool things, like all the naming conventions. And it was like, you're just going to have to get used to the fact that it's not yours anymore. It's somebody else's and they get to do with it what they want. And so he mm-hmm. went from you know making a, like all of these kind of cool things to then it's now somebody else's. It, it said the same thing to me, which was like, you have to understand that you may have built U-Switch and like you guys may have built U-Switch, but it's no longer yours. It belongs to somebody else. Like make sure you're thinking about it in this way and like helping you with that kind of mindset shift that you maybe not really think about was like, yeah, those, that was really helpful to me. Beautiful. Real good tech and leadership wisdom there. Thank you for sharing that. Any books or other things that have been instrumental in your leadership journey? And yeah, this, I, I mean, I, I could go on all day. I suppose I kind of read probably about 20, 30 books a year. <laughs> Wow, but there's quite a few that I, I kind of come back to, and I was kind of mulling this kind of question over. I think for me, it's not necessarily what I really valued in, in growing. I suppose that the approach that I take is connecting together lots of ideas from disparate places. It's not necessarily technology books that have really helped me. It's other things and different areas. So a couple would be 
Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. I was told though, if, if I said that, I'd sound like a dick. So I've got another one as well. So, <laughs> uh, but like that kind of idea, there's, there's so many concepts in that book that really resonated with me that the, the ideas just haven't left my head since the first time that I've read it. So the kind of metaphysics of quality, that kind of mind blowing, those sorts of things. And the idea of like, there's a whole piece in it about learning and about, you know, you shouldn't have exams at university because if you have, ex if you don't have exams, you'll be there for a very different reason to find out. And I think that kind of resonated with me. I've, I've always trying to be finding out how to do this job. I'm like, I'm reading, I'm researching to try and find out how to do like this job, my job better. So that, that was really helpful. And maybe at a different end of the spectrum, the thinking fast and slow, like the Daniel Kahneman book, that kind of behavioral economics has been mm. another really kind of key thing that's helped in a, so many different ways. That cognitive biases you have, just like understanding that as a concept, but then applying that, being able to apply that to different situations. Uh, there's been quite a few times where I've read that book, I've reread that book, and I've come up with a solution to a problem that we were facing at work. So I remember like was one at Usage where just using a too complicated to go into, but using a few of those kind of cognitive biases to solve a business problem is really, really interesting. Or just how you should think about recruitment, like the idea of the how do you understand what questions you should ask? How do you how do you select people to work in the organization? And there's like loads of suggestions in there for that. But like that's just two of maybe so many different kind of things I've learned from that like and how it's changed how I think about things. That's great. Two great books, both I have read and I totally recommend them as well. <laughs> that's great. Now, Mike, I'm going to offer you a wish. I'm going to be a tech genie for a second. I'm going to get all kind of magical and mystical. I'm going to offer you a wish. What would you wish for, for your leadership, your industry? Ooh, um, another really hard question. I think the thing that, as I mentioned, the thing that keeps me up at night is that kind of being able to kind of translate this kind of uh, business problems into into something, into the system that we're, that we're creating at work to solve those problems. One of the, the biggest challenges, I suppose, if I could click my fingers, would be that people would understand systems thinking. It's like a, maybe a, it's a strange wish. <laughs> but I think what's really what you get as an engineer and, and being an engineer for a long time is a, an appreciation of the kind of dynamics in systems and how like those things should work together. It actually becomes really useful as further you get up in an organization in, in different ways, because you can actually think of organizations as systems. But for people who haven't had that same experience, who haven't had like thought about systems in that way, it's actually it's quite a mindset shift for them to to actually um, to, to start thinking about the way that things are in, interconnected. They either think about things in tables or just like it's, this is the only way it could work. And it's like, well, no, it's, it's just a system. We can change it. There's these sort of feedback loops. So if a lot of the time I spend. I suppose uh, like trying to explain those systems, and if I could, if I could just get people to, if I could click my fingers to people think about things in a systems way, then uh, you, I think, you're all on the same page to start solving much much harder problems because then you can sort of think in abstractions rather than having to kind of hold everything in your head. So strange, but, <laughs> but uh, I think I think yeah, I totally agree with you. I resonated as soon as you said the word systems thinking. I think it opens up a lot of ways of thinking. If you see things as systems, it opens up your mind yeah. and seeing the possibilities and how, and just very quickly to mention how, how you can then set the conditions for things to emerge from the system. Exactly, right? exactly, exactly that. Yes, yes. So that's, so it's not, I couldn't agree more. Yes, you're, you're setting up the things that things emerge from it. So it's like, as a consequence of that, you get this thing. It's not that you want this thing, but you have to understand that you have to set things up in this way. And yeah. Beautiful. Couldn't, yeah, yeah. Totally. Couldn't describe yeah. it. 
if we had a beer, I'd, I'd raise a glass yeah. of that. You know, <laughs> that's chink, you know, so that's great. Yeah. So as we hit the final full stop of the podcast, any final key message that you'd like to leave our tech leader audience here as a gift, maybe? So I, I listened to a, a podcast recently and there was an aphorism on there, which was the thing that made you weird as a kid will make you successful as an adult if you don't let it go. <laughs> so, and I, and I think that's uh, one thing that's, I've not let go of the, the thing that made me weird as a kid was I was interested in a lot of things. It wasn't just, I played a, a, loads of different sports, interesting, lots of different ideas and concepts. And I, I haven't let that go. So I was interested in art, science, sport. Like I was interested in nerdy things. So I, I still play computer games. still love like <laughs> playing too much Marvel Snap playing a new Zelda, those things, all the way through to, you know, like the football uh, jiu-jitsu. So it, it kind of the breadth of things is is, is really, is really really important. And I, I think I mentioned it before, but the, I was told as a, as a kid, you know, you want to be, you don't want to be a jack of all trades because you'll be a master of none. But then it was only like a couple of years ago, somebody actually kind of completed the quote for me, which is a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oft times better than a master of one. Which I thought, oh, <laughs> finally! <laughs> so, I find, uh, yes. Oh, so, yeah. So, yeah. They, if you if you keep hold of that that thing that made you weird as a kid, it will be related to how you're going to be successful as an adult. Excellent. A great note to finish on. And actually, I'm feeling a great pride because I am weird. I I was weird, <laughs> and I'm still weird. And hopefully, that will keep bringing it to the space. So, kudos to that. Thank you for your time, Mike. It's been great having you on CTO Confessions. No, it's been awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like Tech Leader's favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.